next up is a our onboarding lead. What that means in Printavo is, I'm sure a lot of you guys went through some sort of demo call or coaching sessions with us. Adam actually leads our small team in Printavo. Um, Adam has a lot of educational background, and he's been really great at being able to not only transform and be able to help shops, but also train new members of Printavo team too. And what's unique is, and why I asked Adam to, to do this talk, is that he's coaching teams um, in shops that have a, a mentality of this is how things have been done for the last 10 years, whether it's paper or whether it's doing things in Excel, and transforming them into an online cloud-based system, which can be very jarring and requires a lot of change management. So without further ado, I'll let Adam take it from here. Hi, guys. Woo! Woo! I love that. I love the enthusiasm after a long day. Um, well, uh, if any of you have ever watched any Printavo videos or called Printavo or done a demo, you've heard my voice plenty. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you feel very comfortable. It's like going to sleep. You listen to the same podcast like every night when you go to sleep. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to chat with you guys. We're going to talk primarily um, about getting the most out of new hires. That's a big piece of the change management process. And uh, a large part of the reason why it's so important is because, really, you're investing in, in teaching somebody about your business, which means you're investing in, in your own long-term success, right? And most of the time, um, when new hires come around, they're like ready to go, right? They're super excited, they're standing at the starting block, you're pumped, you're really excited. Unfortunately, a lot of times it, it starts to flop. The big reason behind that is really it's just bad training, right? The majority of the, the reasons that this happens is your training is ambiguous, you kind of lose this culture versus role uh, balance, right? So teaching about what their role is actually gonna be versus teaching about what the culture of your shop is gonna be. And sometimes you think they don't want it, right? Like, okay, they've heard me enough all day today. You know, I don't need to keep continuing to train them. Um, so these are, are, are kind of some bad buckets to fall into. And I think the reason we fall into these traps is because training is, is really teaching, right? We're all business owners. We're not necessarily teachers. So this is a brand new muscle that we've got to, to start to exercise. And huge, massive companies invest lots of money to hire people who are only good at training because they recognize the value in that, right? So if we're able to learn some, some good practices on teaching people some things, um, I think it can go a long way in, uh, in, in investing in, in our businesses in the long term. So the first thing is, if, if we're gonna actually teach people how to do things, we've got to embrace the role of a teacher, right? So what does that mean? What are some things that teachers do? The first thing is they start way, way before students arrive, right? They're not showing up on the first day of school and like, all right, well, I don't know, what do you, what do you guys want to learn today? Or, oh, we're going to talk about history, so here are some things that I know about history. I don't know, we'll just kind of wing it. No, they're starting way before the students arrive, but a lot of us, when we make new hires, we think about the recruiting process, we think about keeping that pipeline alive, and then they come and they start on the first day, and we're like, oh shoot, I forgot to actually think about what I was supposed to teach them. Okay, well I guess you'll just kind of shadow for two weeks and you'll pick up stuff and we'll just go from there. The other thing teachers do is they, they define their learning objectives, right? They create lesson plans around things. They pay attention to learning styles. Not everybody learns the same way, right? We're a huge, um, uh, we're, we're an industry that focuses a lot on manual processes, right? We're, we're basically manufacturing. So 
you know, we learn by doing, we learn by observing, um, but not everybody learns best that way. So, hey. -o. So focusing on learning styles is really important. Um, the other thing they do sometimes when they start to get overwhelmed is they use a TA, a teaching assistant or a graduate assistant. Um, there's a huge opportunity here to, to focus on some mentor-based or mentorship-based training. You've got a lot of resources in your shop with people who have been working with you for a long time. Um, you can rely on those people. And then the last thing is they create a curious environment. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, I, I, I see culture in, in like these Facebook groups where somebody will ask a question and people will just like jump on them like, well, how do you not know that by now? Or why don't you Google it? And that's a pretty big red flag to me that we're not really as an industry super supportive in creating a curious, safe environment to try things out and fail. And so this is really important with new hires to, to focus on. So those are just some, some of the, the roles that a teacher takes that we can start to embrace. But let's jump into those three buckets of uh, why bad training happens. And this is what can happen, right? So we take this person, we take this person at the beginning who's ready to rock and roll, and we kind of turn them into somebody who's dropped their ice cream, right? I, I love really bad uh, stock photos, so you're gonna see them all through, all through here. You search stock photos, you're like, how did somebody even come up with this idea to take this picture? So let's take a look at this first thing. Training is ambiguous. So what you teach and when you teach it matters. Of course, so does how you teach it, but timing is really, really important. Uh, my background is actually in physical and health education. Can't you tell I'm the perfect specimen of physical health? Um, and there's this, this principle in, in training, in health coaching, that's called the SED principle. It stands for the specific adaptation to impose demands. And what that means is if I've got somebody who wants to train for, um, for a marathon, I'm not going to write them a program and be like, all right, we're going to swim every day, we're going to lift a ton of weights, and we'll run like maybe once a week. Because we're training for swimming and we're training for lifting. We're not training for running, right? So being really specific with how we actually train our, our new hires is really important because if we're able to specifically train them for what we want them to be successful in, we know that we, then we can measure that, like Shelby talks about, and actually define the path to get there. <clears throat> so this is um, a bit of what our kind of training schedule looks like at Printavo when we make new hires. So we've got really specific expectations of what we want our new hires to go through and we actually share that with them right up front, right? So they know right off the bat, hey, I'm gonna expect five days of pretty intense onboarding and these are the things that we can go through. It's about managing expectations, it's about training for exactly what you want them to see. And this is just you know two pages of screenshots of probably a four page uh, <laughs> um, a table of contents for our training guide. So we get really, really specific. And then we'll go even further, right? So we take a look at, hey, day one, I wanna be able to manage my expectations of what I'm going to give to you and also manage or, and give you an idea of what you can expect as we go through the training. So we, we see how it breaks down, you know, 10 a.m. to 10.15, we're gonna do the office walkthrough. That's Bruce's big hurrah, right? Hey, here's the bathroom, here's a coffee machine. That's what you need to know. Um, you know, and then we'll, we'll spend some time, you know, going through some culture stuff, looking at lunch, all that. But the idea is, um, uh, with the, the, the defining success and defining a, a path to get there, um, I always use the example of, of a pegboard, right? My wife is actually here. She just came back from work to watch this. So she's going to be really annoyed because I say this at home all the time. 
the, the idea of the pegboard is <clears throat> uh, in your shops, I'm sure you have this, or at home in your garage, you put a pegboard up on the wall, right? Because you want to use that to, I don't know, hang your tools or hang your squeegees or whatever. You put that pegboard up there, but you can't hang anything on that pegboard until you actually put the pegs in, right? So managing expectations, giving people ideas of what they're, um, uh, what they're gonna be going through in your training, what they can expect from you, you've gotta put pegs in that board first so that when you actually put those ideas on that pegboard, it sticks. Otherwise, if you're just kinda going through, saying random stuff, it's gonna hit the pegboard and fall right off. So that's where this kind of really specific schedule of managing expectation comes in. We're kind of putting those pegs in the board that you know they're not going to see or we're not going to get to day two until day two but they can kind of see what's coming down the road um, and get some expectations there of what, what we're going to go through um, talking about defining the path for success I, I think kevin talked about this a little bit but this is another thing that we do where we've got a 45-day plan of what our new hires are actually going to go through the first week the first two weeks what they can expect the first month and then the first month and a half and we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but you can see they've got some specific goals through that time, and then also some space to write down notes and questions and things like that. Uh, that second bucket there is culture versus role. And um, the guys from, <clears throat> excuse me, Jersey Inc. talked a lot about culture, and that was great. And it's so important to balance these two things, right? You can, you can train for their role, which is really important, but you've also got to teach them about your culture. So you're welcoming people into your business, which has a culture that's already been established, whether you like it or not, and you've got to teach that to them, right? Our systems are really important, but we've got to inspire people as well, because when they're coming on board and submitting themselves to our leadership, we've got to get them to, to, to buy in to the vision that we're casting, right? And I think we all know and have experienced that if you've got really good people, they're not going to stick around because of what they do, they're gonna stick around because of why they do it. Because if they're really good at what they do, they can go anywhere and do it, right? Um, <clears throat> one, of my old, one of my old bosses, um, she was really big on office culture. And the thing that she always said was, um, uh, culture's caught, not taught. So you can sit around and tell people, hey, this is what we are about, this is what we believe in, I really value this, I really value that. But if you don't actually demonstrate that, and if that's not true, that's going to go in one ear and out the other. They're going to catch the culture way more um, than they're taught the culture. But the really great thing is once the, once the culture is caught, they're also going to catch their own path to success. If they can buy into what you're doing, um, they're going to stick around and figure out a way to be successful in the things that you want them to be in that role. So just going back to that day's schedule here, you can see after the bathroom and the coffee talk, the first thing that we do is spend an hour and 45 minutes talking about who Printavo is, why Printavo exists, um, with the things that we value and the things that we wanna be about internally. Um, and then we don't, we don't even talk about the role at all until after lunch. Now it's important still to talk about the role, that's why you're hiring them. Um, but we want, we want them to catch why they're doing what they're doing before they, they really um, uh, kind of focus too much on what they're actually doing, the nuts and bolts. So the last kind of bucket there is you think that they don't want that, or they don't want the training. Um, I hear this all the time. I used to hear this uh, when I would teach leadership. I still hear this every now and then when I get on the phone with some of you guys. Um, you know, you call and, and cancel. I'm like, hey, you know, what, what's going on? Why are you cancel? Well, 
my team really can't get on board with it. Okay, well, what, what did you teach them? How, how many conversations did you have? Well, we didn't really have a conversation about it. Well, why not? Well, they never asked. Well, it's your business. It, it, you're not responsible, or your employees are not responsible um, to ask questions if you're not taking the leadership and, and, and taking the ownership of actually um, guiding out on that. So there's really four reasons why people don't ask. Number one, they don't know when or they don't know how. So timing is really important in asking questions, right? And if you're coming into a new team, you're jumping on board with something, it's already kind of a scary thing. You're, you're trying to learn uh, the day-to-day, -day, you're trying to learn the flow of things, and if you don't know when a good time is to ask a question, you're not even gonna risk it, right? I'm not even gonna step on anybody's toes, I'm not gonna take the risk, I don't wanna you know, catch somebody at the wrong time, or I don't even know how to ask this question. Uh, there was a Harvard Business Review, who was talking about that, Shelby, I think, was talking about Harvard Business, Business Review, uh, that was done that said less than 20% of employees actually catch the whole vision of how their role fits into the long-term goals of their employee. So if that's true, how can we possibly expect that they know when to, when to ask a question or how to ask the right question? Um, the next thing is, is they're intimidated, right? And this goes back to that culture of like the Facebook replies. And, and, and we can talk about how, oh, you know, I've got this open door policy. Sure, you can say you've got an open door policy, but if they're watching you go around, interacting with your veteran employees, and you're kind of, you know, you've got like a, a super superior attitude, or somebody comes in and they're like, hey, you know, I, I put a hole in these t-shirts, and you're like, it's a bad time right now. That's not really saying that you've got an open door policy, right? And they're gonna catch on that, and they're gonna be intimidated to come and ask you questions, and so again, they just won't ask you questions. The last thing is they'll, uh, they think that they'll look in, incompetent, and uh, it's competitive out there, right? So nobody wants to look incompetent. And this, again, goes back to culture. If you haven't created in your, uh, uh, in your employees the idea that asking for training, that asking for help, um, that seeking out new information, whether it be, you know, hey, there's this uh, new technique, I wanted to try it, or hey, there's this new conference, you know, Print Hustlers, it's supposed to be awesome, can we check that out? If you shoot down every opportunity for your veteran hires to ask questions, um, to ask for training, for ask to, to ask for help on stuff, they're not gonna be the first one to do it, right? Nobody wants to look like the guy who doesn't know what they're doing because they know when that time comes around for a promotion or a raise, if they're the only person that's asking for help, they're gonna look like they don't know what they're doing. The last thing is they don't know what they don't know. And we, we all have said this, we all heard this, you don't know what you don't know. So if you haven't cultivated or created um, that air or that um, uh, that safe space for um, creativity and, and an opportunity to fail. Um, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So how am I supposed to know what to ask if I've never been exposed to something or I've never experienced anything? There we go. I heard uh, somewhere that knowledge is the, uh, the the combination of your experience and your exposure. So if you've never been exposed to a new position or you don't have much experience in that position. How are you supposed to know what questions to ask if you've never been there before, right? And again, this goes back to the fact that this is your business, this is your employee, and so it's your responsibility then to own that process from start to finish. And uh, I put in here, be the Jungle Cruise guy. It, has anybody been to like Disneyland or Disney World? LA or Florida? Not, not a single person, one, two. Okay, awesome. So Jungle Cruise is awesome, right? It's the same thing. 
you go there 10 years ago, it's going to be the same thing as it is today. Um, but you get these guides who, you know, they're not even looking where they're going, but they're not looking where they're going because they've done it 100 times and they know what's coming up. But what do they say? Oh my gosh, if you look to the right, there's an elephant. Oh, there's an elephant. Oh, he stuck his head out and flapped his ears. Or look out for the alligator on the left-hand side. The only reason they're there is, of course, to be funny. But the idea is not to tell you exactly what, what you're about to experience, but to prepare you to experience that thing because they know it's coming, right? They tell you to look to the left-hand side because they know something is coming that's gonna be really cool on the left-hand side. Or they tell you to look to the right-hand side because they know something's gonna be really surprising over here and it's gonna be a great experience. If we're able to not just be a teacher, but be a guide for our employees through this process from start to finish, we're gonna be able to point their attention to the right places at the right time for them to be able to experience what we need, what we need them to. Um, so that goes back to this schedule here, right? So start to finish, you know, we're looking at a lot of information, but the idea there is that we know what's coming down the pipeline, so we're able to point your information, or point your attention to the right place at the right time. Um, so let's just take a look real quickly at, at some best practices and things that we do. Um, this is of course not holistic, but some of the things that we've experienced are, are number one, timing of information is really important. Use of technology is really important. There's, there's great tools out there. Um, gamification is really important. And immediate application is really important. So timing of information, for, there's those bad stock photos again. Uh, timing of information. So let's pop back to this, this 45 day plan here. So we've got, <clears throat> we've got expectations and goals for our new hires at each of these benchmarks. And then we create, um, goodness, we create meetings around those goals, right? So we've got a meeting with them at the end of day seven. We've got a meeting with them at the end of day 15, 30, and 45 to not only mark out these goals, but also go over what the next expectations are. And then we design training materials around each of these benchmarks as well. So the timing is really important because if you look here, the first seven days, all they're doing is welcome calls and then shadowing onboards. So Welcome calls for us, and I know that our business is going to be very different than yours, but just to provide some context here, is we want to be able to actually call somebody when they sign up for a trial um, all of the time. This is why we do this. We want to actually be a person, not just a website. So the welcome calls and the onboarding shadows are really important in the first seven days. So what's the training material that we provide around that? All information that focuses on our goals for the welcome calls and things that they can do for the shadow. So we wanna check and see if it's a good fit. You know, if it's a good fit, we wanna email them and get them on a demo. So we're timing our training material with the things that we actually want them to, to experience in that particular time frame. Um, the next eight days, we're gonna actually have them start to assist with some of the, the live demos. They're continuing to do welcome calls, and then they're starting to get into follow-up calls as well. So now, as they're starting to assist in the demos, be around a lot more, start to follow up with people that we haven't gotten a hold of, again, that training material is actually gonna be timed with the goals and objectives that we want them to accomplish at that time. So handling objections with cancellations. Believe it or not, people don't wanna to talk to me a lot. They're like, ah, I'm too busy, I don't have time. Or, oops, I forgot, can you schedule with me nine months later? I'm like, oh, sure. Um, so again, we create the training materials around the goals that we want them to uh, uh, to be reaching at that particular time. 
And then at the bottom, you'll also see that our training materials start to reinforce our culture. So the thing that I hate, and if any of you have ever gotten this call or email from me, I'm sorry, I hate just checking in, right? That's the most ambiguous, boring phone call to receive. Oh, hey Adam, how's it going? Uh, good, who is this? Oh, it's Bruce from Printavo, I'm just checking in. Okay, uh, things are good, talk to you never. So we actually want to eliminate that from our vocabulary. So our training documents are tied to not only our goals and our objectives in that particular time frame, but then they're reinforcing our culture as well. The next thing here is uh, by 30 days, they're gonna be doing the onboarding calls or the demos, the demos themselves, um, and then they're starting to really push hard on the follow-up calls. So once again, our training materials are tied to those specific goals that we want them to achieve. The onboarding call script, we're actually giving this information to them, allowing them to go through themselves, practice this information, and then by 45 days, you know, they're pretty much um, running all on their own full tilt ahead. So now we're starting to give them information on, hey, here's the philosophy, here's the sales mindset. This is how we actually want to communicate um, with customers, you know, start to finish. And you can imagine, if I were to give, these are just even snippets of the documents. If I were to give all 30 pages to somebody on day one and be like, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, it's much like a lot of other training materials where you're just drinking from a fire hose Nothing's gonna stick, right? Um, so technology, there's so many great tools out there. Um, obviously we're a technology company, so we use a lot of them. But there's so many good tools to help training, uh, or to help train new hires. Um, video is probably the, the best, most easy tool um, to use to train your employees. You know, maybe not um, printers, but as you're starting to scale out with sales teams and things like that, um, having them practice their pitches on video is, is huge, right? It's, it's a way to basically put somebody in a batting cage and let them take some hacks without, you know, um, uh, crashing and burning in a real, a real sales scenario. But using a, a video tool that you can actually listen to their pitch and give them feedback um, is a massive, massive help. So the tool that we use is called Loom, L-O-O-M. Um, it's a free video recording tool. It records whatever is on your screen. Um, and how we do this, we, we need to do this more often. But what we do is we basically create an exercise that focuses on specific features of Printavo, right? So the purpose of the exercise is to help the education team um, uh, actually educate customers in a more effective way. So we've got clearly defined goals for what we want this exercise to do. Uh, we've got written out what their responsibilities are. And then what we've done is we've created all of these questions down here. Um, again, that tie to specific features that we want to make sure that our team really nails. Um, and then all I did as uh, kind of the leader of this was create a video here. Surprise, surprise. And this is really boring, but it's going to show you how easy this is you guys to approach the video prompts with these. So we talked about having three answering the first two questions um, this week. So I'm going to give you an example of the question number two. So what's the difference between a quote or an invoice in Printavo? So how I want us to go about this is um, just like this. So we'll start recording, have our page already open, and we'll say the question I'm going to answer is uh, a customer asking me what the difference is between our quote or an invoice. Printavo. 
Great question. Uh, I'm really glad you asked that. And really, the difference between a quote and an invoice in Printavo really just comes down to the status that it's in. So you'll see on the left-hand side here, we've got a place to see all of our quotes or a place to see all of our invoices. And if we click the filter here to see our statuses, we've got everything that's gonna be considered a quote is in a quote status. Once it gets approved, it'll move out of the quote status into some other production status, but we're assuming that this is gonna be an order that will be paid on. So within Printavo, it will from that point forward be considered an invoice. Does that make sense? And then we can end the video. Uh, download this and upload it with the title of uh, quotes versus invoices in Printavo to your folder. So that down there you see is a minute and 27 seconds. Obviously this is really specific to our tool, but again, if you're hiring out salespeople, this is a great way that I can take 90 seconds, create an exercise, say, hey, this is what I want you to be doing. This is how I want you to do it. Give them the, the instructions, give them the feedback, and now you don't have to sit through you know, pitches uh, for the next six months to help kind of dial in what people are um, what people are saying, and you've got it in video, so you can really slowly and, and methodically break down. Hey, do you see how you said that, or do you see how you used this word instead of that word? Let's actually change that because number one, that aligns more with our culture, and number two, it's actually clear for your customer. Um, so that's just one uh, small tool that that we use, um, and then of course. You see how that ties back to the actual specific questions that, that we want to go with. Um, the, the next thing is gamification. So who's heard the term gamification? Cool, a couple people, awesome. Gamification's really just you know taking a, 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 an objective or a goal that you want to accomplish and, and tying it into a game, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually playing FIFA, which of course would be awesome. I wouldn't hate if that was my job. Um, but it's basically just, just kind of putting a, a, a lighter spin on a learning objective that you have. So what we do in Printapa when we're training people is we want our onboarding customer, our onboarding team to know the product backwards and forwards, right? And we want them to be able to know exactly where to find stuff at a snap, not necessarily mem memorizing the script and the script and, oh wait, if, if I don't go to purchase orders directly from a quote, then I don't know how to get there. So what we've done is created just a scavenger hunt in Printavo. and. They can do this on their own time, they can do it um, in the evening, they can do it when they have downtime during your training, but you basically just, again, what we've done is tied these to our learning objectives, but say, hey, you've got these 15 things that you're supposed to find in Printavo, like Easter eggs or whatever. Um, so take your time, go through, find them, write notes on there, ask me questions, but it gives them an opportunity to, to kind of, um, instead of going through a, just a general script, you kind of gamify it a little bit, make it a little bit more fun, um, allow them to ask you questions in your free time, but you're still reinforcing, again, your learning objectives and your goals there. Um, so the last thing is just immediate application and timing, right? So that, that um, this 45-day uh, plan, you notice that all of these things, they didn't do those things only after 45 days. They were doing them all along, right? You've gotta be able to give people real-time practice, and when you teach them something, when you demonstrate them or something to them, and you ask them to apply it, it's gotta be immediate, because that's how stuff sticks, right? So the immediate application is kind of the last thing. Um, 
the media application is kind of the last thing and, and will help you, again, just reinforce your learning objectives and your goals. So the last thing is, is be a teacher first, exercise that teacher muscle, prepare like a teacher, lesson plan like a teacher, put goals and objectives together like a teacher, create curiosity like a teacher, be a tour guide second, be sure that you're actually pointing people to the direction that you want their attention, not just expecting them to know it. Um, and lastly, be, be purposeful with your timing. Um, don't just sit people down and give them everything on the first day or withhold everything from the last day. Take some time, think about what you want them to know, when you want them to know it, so it can be much more effective, as long as they're your employee. Training shouldn't stop after 45 days. It shouldn't stop after 90 days. As long as somebody has submitted themselves to your leadership as your employee, you should be willing to invest in their long-term success, which in turn is investing in your business's long-term success by continuing to train them and push their uh, bank of knowledge further and further. Um, that's all I have for you guys. Any questions? Long day. How do you track that so you've got their goals of having these things at the bottom? So that yeah. means you're measuring that somewhere. Yeah. What do you, how are you doing that? So uh, for us, with those calls, we actually are able to track how many calls people are, are making each day. Um, so whatever tool you're using to actually, um, uh, to actually like do the, the goal or the objective, there should be some sort of measurement tool there. Um, you know, if you're having people, you know, if you're have, hiring a new printer and you want them on, on a press, it should be easy to know how many, you know, how many shirts they've actually printed, right? Um, and then Bruce or I or some senior member of the team are, we're never leaving this person alone to go through this thing, right? We're, we're walking alongside them. That's part of the reason why training is such an investment because you actually are taking time away from what you're doing to be with them, be available to ask questions. Um, uh, so that you're able to keep an eye on making sure that they're actually hitting the goals that they want to hit. Does that make sense? Yeah. How long do you know before you say that they're not going to work out for the team? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I, I think a lot of it is, uh, is if you've got a thoughtful plan in place that you've seen work before and you've... Um, I always use the word reasonable because that's like the legal term, right? It's like, well, yeah, what's reasonable? Um, if you have, have a thoughtful plan in place that you've seen work before and say, yeah, this is a reasonable amount of time for somebody who's a new hire, not me who started the business and I've been doing it for 35 years. Oh, I can get this in three days. A new hire, um, a thoughtful plan in place that is a reasonable person could get through in, in time. And then I always say a little bit of extra grace, right? If they're not getting it after you've given them grace and, and you've thought out, you've hopefully taken months to, to figure out this plan and you've seen it work time and time again and you've given grace, I, I, again, a bit, what more can you reasonably do, right? I don't think that there's really a uh, 63 days and if they haven't gotten it, cut the ties. You, you kind of have to have a little bit of understanding of, okay, did I not explain something appropriately to them? What part of this do I need to own? I've done everything I, to, I can do. I, I don't know what more I can do to help you be successful. Yeah? Uh, you may have said, touched on this, but I'm just saying, what are you doing to address and learn their learning style? Um, that's a great question. I should have touched on that. I didn't. I think uh, a big part of that happens, or a lot of that happens in the hiring process, 
right? Hopefully we're hiring people that we know a little bit about and we're asking questions like, um, we're asking pointed questions about what they will be doing and how they'll be fitting into our team. So give me an example of a time that you, um, uh, you know, at your last job, you couldn't get something and then it clicked later. Yeah, well I couldn't blah, blah, blah. Awesome, what was the difference there? What, what made it click? Well, I was able to actually read up on some things. Okay, you obviously like to read to learn. Or, oh, I, you know, after three months I had to go ask my boss and I just had to you know, keep practicing and keep practicing and keep practicing and I finally got it. Okay, well you've got to actually do it. So I think a lot of that learning style discovery happens in the interview process. Um, and if it doesn't happen in the interview process, then it's just continuing to ask pointed questions like, hey, do you understand? What would be helpful for you to understand this? Do you not understand this? So again, just taking the effort to ask the right questions and, and uncover that information um, in a purposeful way. Yes, Stephen. How do you deal with um, employees that are learning faster than maybe senior employees and that whole like seniority versus someone who's really talented, say you, you know, came into a company and you're growing faster than someone who's been there for three years yeah. and you're dealing with that tension. I think we have that a lot with our press operators. Yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you handle that? That is um, a, a really tough situation, right? I think a lot of that goes back to culture and trust. And I, I think, are you talking about like, hey, you've just got the skill, so I'm gonna put you on this job. Not necessarily like I'm promoting you or I'm giving you this massive I mean, raise or anything. You know, in our shop, we'll have a press operator that's been there for five years and yeah. someone up and coming who is a lot better. Yeah. And it'll start to create a division in the business. I don't know if anyone else deals with this. Um, yeah. And so five-year veteran is a little pissed that rookie is really, really good at his job. Yeah. Um, and you want rookie to be good at his job. Yep. So what do you do? Um, I, I think that that, again, hopefully is, if somebody's been in your business for five years, you should have a relationship with them. There, you can go to them and say, hey, you've been here for five years. What's your deal? Why are you ticked off at this kid? He's helping us, right? He's helping us all make more money and be better at printing. So it, as long as that rookie new kid who's really good at his job um, isn't doing anything to cause any division, he's not doing anything wrong, so why would you, you know, create more drama or an issue there? I think that has to be addressed with a veteran who's creating an issue out of nothing um, and, and making sure that you're reselling the vision of, look, this isn't about you, this isn't about your seniority, this isn't about you being the BMOC, this is about us, Campus Inc., finding success as a printer. As a printer. Um, and making sure that you're, um, you're having those conversations to realign everybody back to the vision and the culture. Good question. Can I make a recommendation for like Please. a book? Um, there's a great book called uh, The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lencioni that will change the way you hire. Um, and he looks at three things, hungry, humble, and smart. And smart is not like intelligent smart, but just smart in how to make your business better. Like they're always, we want someone on our team who's always trying to make our business better um, and make you a better leader um, as their boss. And so it's a fantastic book. It's a great read, probably a three hour read. Um, and it's a great audio book as well, if that's your thing. But that, what you just asked about, would come in someone being hungry. You want to hire someone who's hungry. And then you go to their veteran person and say, hey, um, in, what I did at my team, I presented all three, humble, hungry, and smart, 
and then I let them self-evaluate, and then they very quickly self-check of like, crap, I'm not hungry, I'm not humble, I'm a little bit smart. And so then we said, hey, what's your goal to make sure that you're gonna achieve these two things? And they're setting the goal, and then we hold them to their standard, not mine. They, we've delivered what we expect, let them now self-assess. So that's where you need, you just need, you've got complacency in your, in your, in your company. Um, and you got to you got to make them hungry again um, and willing to learn. If they don't want to learn, it's time to go. That's really good. What was the name of that book again? Ideal team player. Ideal team player author. Patrick Lencioni. Patrick Lencioni. Awesome. Any last questions? Awesome. Well, thank you guys for uh, letting me talk.